G'day, and welcome to the Fasting Highway Podcast, the podcast that's all about intermittent fasting. I'm your host, Graham Curry from Perth, Australia. I lost 60 kilograms or 132 pounds living an intermittent fasting lifestyle and have successfully maintained that weight loss. I'm also the author of the Amazon category best-selling book, The Fasting Highway, which will give you a great insight into what it's actually like to live it day to day, how to get started, what it's about, what are some of the health benefits that come from it, and how to turn it into a successful long-term lifestyle. In this series of podcasts, you'll be hearing from people from all over the world, from the beginners to the experienced and those that are on the journey. You'll also be hearing from some leaders in the intermittent fasting community, and you'll also be hearing from some past guests as we recheck in to see how they've been going. And thank you for joining us here on the Fasting Highway. Enjoy the show. G'day. Welcome to the Fasting Highway podcast. And this is episode 155. And just before I get started today, I just wanted to wish you, the listener, a very Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. And I hope all your aspirations and dreams come true for you in 2023 and you find the health goals that you seek. Also, I just wanted to shout out to all the members of the Fasting Highway Facebook community. Uh, thank you. It's been absolutely sensational this year, the growth. The interaction has been unbelievable, and I'm sure we've helped hundreds of people around the world that have joined get started on their own journey. So if you haven't joined us yet, come and join us there in the Fasting Highway Facebook community. And just a quick thank you to those that have been buying my book, The Fasting Highway. Uh, hundreds of messages received this year, uh, the photos from all around the world. It's very humbling. Uh, very grateful. Thank you for your support. If you haven't read it, you want to read a story that might resonate you of an everyday person that turned their life around with intermittent fasting, overcoming sugar and fast food addiction, uh, you might find that in my book. Okay, folks, let's get to today's guest, and I'm going to be speaking with Heather Drumnitsky. And Heather is a 43-year-old mum of two, and she's been married to her husband, Brandon, for 10 years. And Heather is a kindergarten teacher from southwestern Ontario in Canada. And at the end of 2021, a friend sent her a video of myself talking in a podcast interview. She listened to it and had a light bulb moment and immediately ordered my book, The Fasting Highway. And after reading my story in less than a day, she immediately started fasting. And the rest that they say is history. And here to tell us about that history is Heather Dramitsky. Oh, g'day, Heather, and welcome to The Fasting Highway. And thank you so much for joining me all the way there from Canada. Hello, good evening. Glad to be here. Glad to have you here, Heather, and uh, you're an inspiring member of our Fasting Highway Facebook community, but for those people listening in some 59 countries around the world, if you wouldn't mind sharing some of your history and past health issues or problems with your weight and that sort of thing, and how you actually found your way to looking at intermittent fasting. Sure, sure. So, um Probably a pretty typical story, like a lot of other other people. I grew up, I was a little bit overweight uh, growing up. I was still able to, you know, participate in some sports and um, I did synchronized skating and things like that, but always always had that, that extra weight and it definitely was something that affected my self-esteem and, uh, you know, feeling good about yourself, things like that. And then uh, as a young adult, after I graduated university, I started running and um, working out and I joined Weight Watchers about mid to late 20s and, and had some success, lost uh, just under 50 pounds with Weight Watchers. Um, but I was also working out five or six times a week. So I had the time to do that. My I wasn't married yet. I didn't have kids. So I had lots of time uh, and then met my husband. And I was a fairly Thin, probably at about my thinnest as an adult and met my husband. And of course, you know, you gain a little bit of weight when you meet your partner uh, going out for dinners and things like that. And you become comfortable. So I gained a bit and my husband and I decided to try uh, paleo or, uh, you know, the primal diet. And we did actually have some, some good success with that before our wedding, lost some weight. But as soon as, as, soon as the wedding was over, we kind of went back to the the way we had been eating before. So eating, you know, the breads and the pastas and things like that. And um, had had our first child, gained some weight with her. 
And, but I was able to lose it about a year later. Uh, my sister was getting married and I kind of went back to that paleo way of eating and had some success again with that. Got pregnant again, had my son and went back to work with my son here in Canada. We get a year off, but I actually went back about when he was about six months old. Um, and had we had spring pictures at school. So I'm a kindergarten teacher. So we had spring pictures and I was back in time to have my spring pictures done. And that was shocking. That was my moment where I just said, oh my gosh, like I have to do something. And I weighed myself and I was, I'm five foot six. I know your listeners like to know kind of the stats there. So I was, I'm five foot six and I was just shy of 240 pounds, 239 point something. Um, But so let's say 240 pounds. So that was quite shocking to me. That picture was kind of my aha moment. That moment when you just say, okay, enough is enough. I've got to do something about that. So I started keto at that point. I actually had kind of gone back and looked at paleo. But you know, when you get in to Google search and, and you kind of go down the rabbit hole, and I found the the keto diet and started reading up on that and pretty pretty much right then and there started keto. So had a lot of success with that, ended up losing about 55 pounds on keto. And then the pandemic hit. And as we all know, that was a very stressful time, a stressful time for everybody, but stressful time for teachers. We were kind of forced into something that we had no idea what we were doing teaching online and, and teaching over Google Meet and Zoom and things like that. So, you know, a bit of a stressful time and staying at home and I was eating more and snacking throughout the day and things like that. So I gained back some of the weight that I had lost with keto and ended up at about, I would say about two, I think 210, 209, 210. And at that point, I was really, I, it was like a, I was kind of desperate to figure out how to lose this weight again. Things just I wasn't be I wasn't having success with keto the way I had had it before, and um, so I was looking into all different types of you know keto protocols things like that, and I had tried fasting while I was doing keto um, originally, but I always used those crutches like the bone broth. I'd have coffee with cream or a diet pop or something that just to try to get through that fast flavored sparkling water like the bubbly water we have here. So always something with a flavor in it. Didn't really understand why I was struggling with fasting, why I wasn't having success with it. But um, yeah, I kind of was feeling that sense of desperation. I had gained some weight back and I really didn't want to do that. Um, We were, you know, ordering food out to support restaurants and having low carb beer here and there, but it was just, it was too much. But I think the stress of it too, and, and we know stress and cortisol and that can really hinder your progress if you're trying to lose weight. Uh, so tw- about 2021, like summer, end of summer 2021, I, that's when I really started to feel that desperation about losing the weight. I, I wanted to continue losing weight and get down to a healthy weight for my height. And yeah, nothing nothing was really working. So that's kind of where I, I ended but just before I started IF. And then, um, oh, sorry, I should say clean fasting and, and really being consistent with it. And uh, in October 2021, a, a good friend of mine, colleague that I work with, she sent me a, a video of you on a podcast, the um, uh, Waste Away podcast with um, Chantelle is her name, I believe. And I listened to that. Well, I didn't listen to it for a couple of weeks. She had sent it to me and I didn't have a chance to listen. And then one day I just listened and Honest to goodness, it was like a light bulb went off and you, your story and you you talked about Jen Stevens and you talked about clean fasting and um, it just a, a light bulb moment, a light bulb went off. It was kind of like when I looked at my picture from 2017 when I had come back from mat leave. It was just one of those moments in my mind and I, I ordered your book immediately. I downloaded uh, Delay, Don't Deny and Fast, Feast, Repeat by Jen Stevens and uh, Amazon. I had your book within a couple of days and that was the end of October and I Halloween was the Sunday. I read those books through the weekend, yours and Jen's, and November 1st, 2021. It was a Monday. It was a perfect day. It's one of those, you know, perfect diet days to start. It's the beginning of a month. It's a Monday 
And I just said, this is it. I am starting this. And, and the clean fasting that just hit home to me. And the, the way it was explained, the, the way you explained it, like, this is why I was having so many issues trying to fast uh, in the past and with keto. And I think, you know, keto does help because you're, you're more fat adapted. But when you're, you're trying to get through a fast and you're constantly giving your body what it thinks is food, you're going to, you're going to feel that hunger and you're going to feel uncomfortable. So it was when I read about the clean fast and I started the clean fast and I haven't had a day since November 1st, 2021 that I haven't clean fasted. Wow. That's really interesting. A couple of points to pick up there. And thank you for listening to that podcast I did with Chantel. And I'm really glad that it resonated with you and the books and everything else. And it's great. And it's interesting to start, go back and look at our catalyst about why we started and in your case, it was that photo that sent you into a tailspin and you thought, oh, man, I really got to do something about it. And everyone has a different catalyst, I think. For me, it was sitting on a plane next to my wife, feeling horrible after a big bender. And I just thought, I'm just done being crushed into things like this and not fitting in and being uncomfortable all the time. And then when you saw that photo, you really got stuck into it and you went through that. You've been in your past. You've done paleo, keto, weight watches. And so... You've really been able to talk in a little while about the differences between those and intermittent fasting. I'm really interested in your take on that in a little while. But let's go back to when you started. How did you start? What was your protocol that you began with? And after reading all that information, aside from the clean fast, let's talk about your eating window. Were you delaying anything or were you sort of eating anything you craved at that point? Sure, sure. So uh, I'll start with what my fast looked like. I did about uh, on average and still on average about 21 hour fast. So I have about a, it just varies two to three hours, sometimes four hours, you know, there's that flexibility. But um, I I try to stick now to the like a paleo or a a low carb paleo way of eating. I don't like to eat breads and pastas. And I try to, you know, avoid sugar as much as I, I can. It just doesn't serve my body well. Um, I've learned that it can cause a lot of inflammation for me, which, you know, IF is great. Fasting is great to reduce that. But I can definitely tell if I eat something like that, that it does have an effect on my body. So just trying to eat the whole, like whole foods, um, very simple, cook at home as much as I can. We purchase a half a cow every year. So we've got lots of great beef in our freezer and chicken and and really you know great proteins and then veggies to go with that and just really simple try to keep it really easy really simple and try to stick within that about a two to three hour window and like you I kind of I like to have a little bit of a something to open uh, maybe a salad and then have my main meal and then like a yogurt bit of Greek yogurt with berries things like that so really keeping it simple yeah yeah simple IF I love it and that's right up my alley I think the more we overcomplicate things, the harder it be- becomes. But, you know, when you started and you've sort of been background of doing all these things, and for the listeners out there, paleo, I'm interested for you to talk about that because there a lot of people listening to this podcast that don't actually know the definition of paleo. Would you just explain it? Sure. Oh, well, I'll do the, be- the best that I can. I'm certainly not an expert. But to me, it's, it's eating things that are um, not, not processed, not refined, the the breads and the pastas things like that are out um the sugar trying not to eat sugar now with paleo like i think that people will have honey and maple syrup and things like that just not the refined sugar i i do try to stay away from that as well so i i think i'm walking the line between uh paleo maybe and and keto or low carb so yeah it's there's some great information out there if you if you google paleo uh, but you kind of think of the, the traditional food pyramid and if you flip it upside down, so you've got, you know, instead of breads and, and all the, the grains and oatmeal and things like that at the bottom where you would eat the most of that, you'd kind of flip that on its, on its head and you're eating the, the lean protein or proteins and, and healthy fats and things like that and kind of keeping that other stuff at the top of the pyramid, at the smallest part of the pyramid. So. Um, really, li- I try to really limit like the breads and stuff. And that's not to say that I don't ever eat that uh, because I do. I go out for dinner sometimes and or we have a celebration. But really, 
you know, if I can stick to 90% of the time, 85, 90% of the time that I'm eating just those whole fresh foods, fruits, vegetables, mainly vegetables. I don't eat a ton of fruit just because of the natural sugar content. I find that can kind of help that you can kind of spiral, right? When you start to eat a lot of that, it's, it's very sweet to me. It might not be to somebody else, but because I haven't had a lot of sugar in the last few years, I, I find fruit to be very sweet. So kind of just, you know, stick with berries, things that have a little bit less sugar in them, things like that. Yeah. That's interesting when you go shopping as well. I guess you spend a lot of time around the perimeter rather than going down the aisles because that's a yeah. great way in summation of, of that food types that you're looking for with paleo, of course. And, you know, I think our tastes do change over this lifestyle as well compared to what they were before. And it's interesting what you said about fruit. I was a big fruit eater when I was obese, massive amount of fruit. Bananas, I loved them. I would have three, four, five bananas a day in season. I thought they were good for me, right? But I didn't realize how much they were actually driving my sugar issues. And I'm not telling people out there not to eat fruit. I still eat fruit, but I just don't eat as much because I found that was a real issue when I had a sugar problem. Um, that fruit, I felt, was driving that. Well, the research I'd done once I actually looked into it. And then when I started shopping around the outside of the supermarket, I found that it sort of cut all that sugar and that highly processed food out by 70% at least. Did you Do you find that when you go shopping for your groceries? Oh, absolutely. And I, I remember, when, especially when I started keto and looking at the number of carbs in, in fruits and the sugar in fruit. It's real, like a banana. When I was doing hardcore keto, when I first started, a banana would be two days worth of carbs for me, because there's about forty grams of carbs from and from a you know natural sugars and whatnot in bananas. So yeah, now when I'm when I'm grocery shopping, it's I'm just looking for like I said, like strawberries, raspberries, blueberries, things like that for myself. But again, I don't eat a ton of it. Like you said, like you still eat the fruit fruit sometimes but it's sort of you limit it or limit the types I guess um, because you do come to realize that it's it's quite sugary and and it doesn't always serve someone's body well maybe if they're if they're struggling with their weight that might be something to look at it is and it's also natural sugar as we know in fruits but sugar nonetheless so as I was mm-hmm. saying if you're a person that's struggling with, with sugar and that sort of thing you are eating a lot of fruit, well, you might want to look at it as Heather just said then. But, you know, having done all these diets like paleo, keto, so forth, Weight Watchers, when was it when you sort of realized when you started intermittent fasting how different it was to all those sorts of previous structured things you were doing like the Weight Watchers, that type of thing? Yeah, it, it was different because I didn't feel a sense of guilt for not eating strict keto or strict paleo. Um, there, there are ways to do it, it. You know, I could do intermittent fasting with very strict keto and maybe my weight loss would be faster. Uh, but I think it, I have to, it gave me some more freedom, some more flexibility and combine. It's like a tool in your tool belt, right? Like, so combining keto, combining paleo, with IF, but also having that flexibility that I can go for dinner if we have a celebration and I can eat something that I normally wouldn't. And that's okay. And not having like that diet mentality where the next day, um, oh my gosh, I've got to fast for 40 hours because I ate something the night before. Like it's not a punishment. The fasting is not a punishment. And I know you say that and you've talked about that. Don't, you know, don't punish yourself for living your life and eating food it's yep. it's not a punishment and so so yeah if has been really great for me i think in my mindset and my my how i react to when i eat something because you know in the past it would be a guilty feeling or it would be like oh i've got to stick to strict keto for the next two weeks because i had a dessert at a restaurant one night whereas i don't feel that way anymore that's very freeing yeah, and I think some of these things need ish put on the end, like carnivore-ish, keto-ish, paleo-ish, just to have that flex in them because they're all great things to do 
And I mean, but sometimes if you get boxed into strict keto or strict paleo or whatever it may be, it might feel that it's restrictive. And like you said, with intermittent fasting, there isn't any guilt. And you choose your own pathway. I like to eat what makes me feel my greatest. You've heard me say that many times in this podcast because, and it's knowing your trigger foods as well. And I really like what you said about you now know what foods don't serve your body. So you've worked that out, you know, so you're sort of heading towards that, you know, I want to eat what makes me feel my greatest too. And I think over time, and the more I go on with this lifestyle, I do feel like that, but there are occasions where you'll have that ish moment. Like, you know, we all know my problems with sugar and fast food are well documented. Fast food, I can never have again. I haven't been in a fast food restaurant for over four years now, nearly five, and I don't miss it. I've, I've eaten millions of burgers and fries and milkshakes at the windows and drive throughs in my life. And they led me to a life of obesity, morbid obesity. So now I've got that weight off and I've kept out of those places. I've reversed that. I don't ever want to go back in there, right? But with sugar, I mean, sugar is a little bit different because there's so many things that have got sugar in it. If I'm at a wedding of a good friend or, you know, one of my children were happening to get married or something and they said, hey, dad, would you have some wedding cake? Well, of course, I'm going to have a bit of wedding cake. I'm just not going to eat the whole cake. And that's the difference. I'm not going to go and look for the cake in the fridge after the wedding and eat the leftovers. That's the difference between that addiction and that moderation phase. And I think once we actually know the the foods that really spike our weight or upset us or don't make us feel great, and we make a list of those foods, and then we start finding alternatives and turning them over for the alternatives, your life becomes so much better, doesn't it, Heather, I think? Uh, absolutely, it does. And like I said, it's the freedom piece of it. And but and it's also, it's just knowing that it, it's okay to, to eat, like you said, the wedding cake, but also knowing I'm not going to keep eating the wedding cake for the next week or two weeks, whatever's left over, right? So you have, IF gives you some control back, I think, over your life. And like, I've done diets where I can't even, you know, cabbage soup diet, like years and years ago, right? All these different diets. And the second you eat something that's not in that plan, well, you're, it's off the, you're off the rails. Well, that's not a way to, that's not a way to live your life. No. Well, that's the difference between diets and intermittent fasting. I mean, a lot of diets will work short term if you do them simply by the fact that you're restricting calories, you're not eating all the rubbish you might be eating normally. But then you sort of realize, hey, I can't eat cabbage soup for the rest of my life. You know, I can't do that. You know, there's all sorts of weird and wonderful diets out there. But it's following them and sticking to them and making them sustainable for a life plan to keep the weight off. That's where I find diets come unstuck. Whereas for me, intermittent fasting was always going to be that question mark when I got the weight off, am I going to be able to sustain this weight loss now with intermittent fasting in some form? I mean, when I was losing the weight, I did the 23 and 1, right? Because I didn't really know any different and I felt like that suited my life. I got out of the car at 5 o'clock, home from work. That's when I ate. I worked on the property on the weekends. I came in in the afternoon and I ate after 5 and that's what I did and I lost the weight. And then when I got it off, I thought, well, what do I do now? I can't just keep going. What happens if I lose another 20 kilos? There'll be nothing left of me. So I thought, okay, well, um, I'll change it a bit. So I went to a 22 and 2 during the week, 16 and 8 on the weekend to enjoy that social aspect with my wife and do two meals a day on the weekends. And that's really worked well for me in maintenance. And so I have a range in maintenance now where I have a like a high range is, you know, between four and six pounds is my range. If I get up to the top of that on the scale, I'll wind back my window or watch what I'm sort of doing with my eating habits and that sort of thing. If I get down below that range, which I have many times, I'll broaden that out. So the tools of IF are always there for life, whereas I find diets, you just can't stick to them and you tend to bounce around from different ones. And like you go from one to the other to the other and then something else crazy comes out or somebody says they're doing something, so you jump on it. And it's just a merry-go-round where I feel with intermittent fasting, all we're doing, Heather, is going back to how our ancestors ate and making food scarce. And that's what we're doing. And we're just delaying in the day when we eat. So I feel like we're just going, turning the wheel back a bit. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, I want to add too, if you don't have to eat paleo or keto to do this, 
or, or cut out sugar completely. Like you and I have sort of said, like, that's what's best for our bodies. But, you know, there's, I've read lots of stories of people who just, they continue to eat the way they've always eaten and they've just included the intermittent fasting. And then, but it's funny because I think a lot of people do then start their taste buds change. And then after a while, they kind of say, you know, I do crave that fresh food and whole foods and cooking at home and things like that. So it's almost just a natural progression, I think, for people to to eat well when they're doing IF because you feel so good. You just, you don't want to, you don't want to change that. You don't want to feel bad again for that, you know, whatever, 20 minutes when you eat that fast food that you just come to realize that it's just not worth it. Yeah, and for me, I've learned what the pause means, right? So the pause for me is when I think about eating that type of food, and I don't think about it much anymore, but when I did, when I was trying to get the weight off, I would stop, I would pause, and then I would think about it. Okay, why are you doing this? What's the point? Why did you just clean fast for 23 hours, and you're going to go and do that, and you're just going to totally undo this day's work? You're going to step on those scales tomorrow, and then you're going to feel bad. You're not going to feel. When I say feel bad, you just got, you're on a mission here. You want to get the weight off. And we all know that saying that's bandied around in the IF community. You can eat whatever you want with intermittent fasting. Well, I'm here to tell you, most people can't. And most people that struggle with intermittent fasting are people that stick by that mantra. And the person that created that mantra, I've had on my podcast twice, and we've broke that down. And she never meant it to be taken like that. And it's been taken completely out of context. Because there's eating whatever you want and there's eating whatever you want. There's two different definitions of that. And you're right. There are people that eat everything they crave and good on them. And if they can get away with it, and there's people I know that eat a lot of processed food and do intermittent fasting. And, um, you know, I had a lady one day said to me, oh, I run and I jog because I want to eat chocolate. It's the only reason she went for a run because she wants to eat chocolate. And I thought, wow, that's really... Really a funny thing to say because, you know, you're going out for that run just so you can eat chocolate. But, you know, I think in IF, you just have to be mindful. I call it vigilance without obsession, Heather. That's that's how I see it. Vigilance without obsession. Without being obsessed about what you're eating, just be vigilant. Because if you eat whatever your mind tells you to eat, sometimes you're going to struggle. Oh, yes, absolutely. Absolutely. I, you're right. Uh, I, I think... I, I love how Jen Stevens talks about that. Yes, you can eat whatever you want, but y- they, you get to a point where you just want to eat that good food and feel good and feel better. And yeah, it certainly doesn't mean go out and eat McDonald's every day uh, or eat fast food every day in your window because you can eat whatever you want. Uh, but if you, if you need to start slow and, and eat you know, your bread and your pasta and stuff like that. And I, lots of people, I think, can incorporate that into their into their food and rice and things like that. I, I can't personally. Uh, but yeah, there's just that's the, another part of that flexibility piece that I that I really like. And uh, but I, I do think that, yeah, people just they naturally move towards that better way of eating and that more. They, I don't know what it is. Your body, I think, just is able to to say, yeah, this isn't serving me well, so I need to, to make a shift. And that's, you know, when people start IF and uh, feel like they can't do it, maybe don't try to change everything all at once, I guess, right? Don't, if you're not eating the healthiest, healthiest way, well, start with IF first and then start to slowly change your diet or, or vice versa. But Yeah, I think that's some good advice in that. And um, I think the most important thing is nailing that clean fast. And let's talk about that now. I mean, you mentioned there that you were dirty fasting. You you didn't really know much about the clean fast until you discovered, you heard that podcast with me and Chantel, and then you read the books, and then you thought the light bulb moment went off, and then you started clean fasting. So I'm really interested to know from a person that's experienced both sides of the fence, what were the differences that you you sort of discovered? Uh, I definitely, when I was fasting with uh, crutches like, bone broth or having a diet pop here and there or coffee with cream headaches. I was hungry constantly. Like it was just torture. 
it really didn't feel good at all. I did not feel good. My body didn't feel good. And I thought, oh, I just, I don't, I don't think I like this. I don't think this is for me. I tried to do longer fast, 36 hour fast, 40 hour fast. And I, ju I just felt absolutely horrible. And the hunger was just unreal. And as soon as I started clean fasting and I started, like I said, November 1st, and I haven't not clean fasted a day since, it's just been black coffee, water, sparkling water, no flavors in it, nothing. And that I, I don't get headaches. I don't have the hunger pangs. I don't have the, you know, sick to my stomach feeling. I would get that sometimes when I was fasting uh, with, the, with the things that I shouldn't have been having, the not clean things. Uh, the dirty fasting. Um, so it just, it, it made such a difference so quickly for me. Like within the first day or two, I, I just couldn't believe it. I, I went to work the first day, November 1st on the Monday, went to work and thought, oh boy, am I going to be able to get through this? And I had my big coffee and I had my water and I had some sparkling water and I made it through and I flew through that first fast and felt so great, felt clear, clear mind and not hungry at all. I mean, I, when I say not hungry at all, I like how Jason Fung describes it. Hunger comes in waves. So, you know, you'd have, I'd have that little, oh, grumbly stomach, whatever, but then it goes away. It doesn't last and it's not, you don't get the, I don't get headaches and I wasn't getting um, that all just, yeah, a horrible feeling when I was dirty fasting, it was just it was horrible felt horrible. I understand how people struggle when when they're not clean fasting. If you just give clean fasting a chance, oh my gosh, what a difference. Yeah. I mean, 150 episodes of this podcast plus now and, you know, the Facebook group and we our sort of method in the fasting highway is to clean fast. And to me, you're either fasting or you're not. Simple as that. And you've got to give your body that process of a complete break from all types of food. Anything with calories in it, like you know, bubble gum, Diet Cokes. I know that Diet Cokes might not have calories, but it's all the chemicals because what the chemicals do is they'll trick your mind into thinking that food is going to come. And then no food comes and you start starving and you really struggle to try and get through that sort of fasting period, as Heather was describing there, the white knuckling sort of experience. And that hunger is really hard to ignore. And that's where a lot of people come unstuck or they have cream in their coffee or milk in their coffee or tea or whatever it may be. But just by taking that out and doing that clean fast, and if you don't want to drink black coffee, then don't drink black coffee. Wait to your window and have it the way that you like it. There's no obligation to drink black coffee. We see that a lot in the groups. Oh, I hate black coffee. I hate the taste of it. It's bitter. Well, hey, here's a use flash. You do not have to drink black coffee to be successful with intermittent fasting. Have it like you want it in your eating window. And that's what I say to people, you know, and and I think people really get confused by that message. But there's two types of hunger, isn't there, Heather? There's that head hunger where we go, oh, my God, I'm so hungry. I could chase that horse and eat the jockey. And then there's that belly hunger where we just go, oh, man, I'm not feeling so great here. I'm, this is really weird. I'm just this isn't going away. And I'm just a bit unsteady. And and I've had days like that where I've just gone, oh, I've got to eat something. I've just got to eat something. But when we had that first step of hunger, that sort of, you know, head hunger, that's when we have the big glasses of water. That's when we go ring a friend, get distracted, go and wash the car, walk the dog, whatever it may be, and see if it goes away. But it's really important that we listen to our body, yeah? Absolutely, absolutely. If, you know, you're getting a headache, you're getting sick, you're shaky, anything like that, that's your body saying, it's probably time to eat, I open my window. And that's okay. Like people, I know some people are kind of like an all or nothing mentality, right? If I don't get to 20 hours or 22 hours, they feel like a failure. That's not a failure at all. That's just, that's your body saying like it now's the time uh, and that's okay. But with clean fast uh, fasting, I, I don't think I've ever had a moment like that where I really felt so sick that I had to stop. It was more when I was dirty fasting. That's when I would feel that that hunger that was so bad that I thought, oh, it's like I might have to sit down here and have something to eat. So there's a big, really big difference there when people start to get into fasting and, and if they try the clean fasting. And like you said, like the coffee, like you don't have to drink, you don't have to drink black coffee if you don't like black coffee. Save it for your window or try something different, black tea, whatever works 
for you? Like, I, I know I've read, you know, comments of people that, well, I don't drink coffee. Am I going to have to start drinking coffee? Like, no, you don't have to start drinking coffee. That's not a magic part of clean fasting. It's just, you know, so many people do drink coffee and we end up drinking coffee with a ton of stuff in it. And that's, that's not going to help you and especially not going to help you during a clean fast. So. Yeah, for sure. That's the message, and I'm glad we busted that myth. If you um, you don't like black coffee, you don't have to drink it. You know, you can wait to your eating window and have it the way you like it, and there's no obligation. And as Heather said, there's no magic bullet about drinking black coffee during intermittent fasting. The main thing is to stay hydrated and to make sure you drink plenty of water, and that means you drink when you're thirsty, right? You don't sort of have to line up five gallons of water just for the sake of it. You drink. I mean, just common sense prevails with that. You know, if you're thirsty, you drink. Simple as that, just like any other time. But being hydrated is really important. Sometimes I'll take on a bit of salt, like pink Himalayan salt or something like that. That's another trick too. You can put a bit of that under your tongue and it's not going to break your fast and have some water and just see if that fills, fills up on that and that sort of hunger sort of pain goes away. But if it doesn't, yeah, as we said, listen to your body. But I just want to go back to your your stats about your weight and that sort of thing a year now, just over a year, 13 months. You started on that November 1, an auspicious day. Everybody always starts on the 1st or, you know, New Year's Day or something like that, don't they? Well, hey, folks out there, when people say to me, oh, when should I start, Graham? I say, how about right now? It doesn't, and they go, well, can't I wait to Monday? I say, why do you want to wait to Monday? Today's as good as day as any. Get going. Just skip breakfast and let's go. So, yeah, so you don't have to wait to January 1 to start. Just start. But you were sort of, uh, your high weight there, 240 pounds or 108 kilos uh, for our Australian listeners there. 13 months in, where are you at now with that? Yeah, so, well, 240 was when I started keto. That was about 2017. That was 2017. And then had I had gotten down to about 185, but during the pandemic had gotten back up to about 210. So I'm about 25 pounds down from there with the fasting with IF and I, I I've bounced around a little bit but uh that's pretty natural and at first I thought oh gosh I'm such a slow loser I'm a turtle and I thought it was going to come I thought I was just going to shed it off you know so fast and that's kind of that diet mentality as well right that like oh this is the net the next best miracle thing and it's just going to come off but like my mind shift my mindset has shifted and changed so much just from like being in, in your group and you, you talk about, there's so many other benefits to IF um, aside from the weight loss and 25 pounds. I, I'm, you know, I'm happy with that and I have more to lose, but uh, there's so many other benefits health wise that I think, I think it's important for people to realize that your body is doing so much healing uh, while, while you're fasting, you're giving your body that break. And it's so good for so many other reasons uh, aside from the weight loss. And the weight loss is kind of that that added bonus. I think of it now, but absolutely, when I got started, I was absolutely in in for the the weight loss piece of it, a hundred percent. And my I've shifted a little bit in in my thinking of that um, as far as you know why why I'm doing it. Yeah. Lots of other reasons beside the weight besides the weight loss. Yeah, and that's important, isn't it? It's not all about the weight loss. It's um. You know, the health benefits and the non-scale victories we talk about. What sort of things have happened for you there over the last sort of 13 months? Uh, so a lot, I've noticed a lot less inflammation. Uh, I've had issues with my right shoulder. I had fractured my arm in December 2018 and I'd kind of fallen and on the ice of skating with my daughter and, and put my arm out, my right arm out to stop, catch myself and fractured the upper part of my arm. So I, uh, I think I had done some damage to my shoulder as well. So the inflammation has gone way, way down uh, in my shoulder, uh, my knee, my left knee, I always have had issues with my left knee. So the inflammation has really gone down uh, that way. Um, I live in Canada. So of course it's getting cold right now. And I have this great big jacket that I wear for yard duty and it was getting tight. And so I remember last November, that was one of my goals at the beginning was I got to be able to get into my, my yard duty coat. If I can't zip this thing up, I'm going to be freezing. So that's, that was one of my, you know, aside from, well, that's part of the weight loss piece of it, but just the, it lose some inches so that I could get my jacket done up and be comfortable in it. Uh, I, you know, my clothes are fitting better. I've been able to clean out a lot of my clothes, donate a lot of things that are too big. Uh, I, 
very shortly after I started fasting, uh, I started November 1st and I remember November 17th, I decided I am not going to color my hair anymore and I am just going to let it come in naturally. I cut it pretty short. Like I, I kind of gradually cut it short and this past summer I cut it really short. Um, and I just said, you know, like I'm not, I'm not interested in coloring it anymore. It's expensive. I don't need the chemicals on my body. And I, I just feel like I have so much more confidence. And I think the fasting has really helped with that. And just to be able to say, yeah, I'm not, I'm not coloring my hair anymore. I, I don't want to do that. So, uh, that, you know, it's a it's kind of a different non-scale victory, but I think, you know, it's probably, one of those things that it's tied to the fasting, the confidence piece, it's definitely tied to that. Uh, I just, I noticed the other day I had a scar on my leg or I have a scar on my leg um, from when I was a teenager in skating. I had hit my leg with my other opposite foot skate blade and had cut, I had about a one inch cut. And for my whole life since then, I've had this raised scar and I looked at it not long ago and it's flat. There is, I can't believe it. It has been since I was about 16 years old. I've had this raised scar flat. I had to look for it. I could almost not find it because it's faded and it's flattened right out. It's the uh, most amazing thing. But that's that healing that's happening. Yeah, it is. I've talked to other people with scars and that. Um, bloke called Justin Claypool was in a bad car accident and um, he had to raise scars. He said he could almost grab them with his hand, right? They were that thick on his body. And now he says they've almost faded to nothing. And that's just crazy stuff. And you hear all these sorts of things. And, you know, people think we're crazy when we talk about it. You know, the psoriasis going away, improved vision, you know, people's hair regenerating, all that sort of stuff. And I'm really glad that you went and done that gray in your hair um, because that's the confidence that you get. And, you know, it's you say to yourself, you become in tune with your body. My wife was the same. She did the same thing during COVID and she went to gray hair and it's beautiful. I love it. It's really lovely and it's turned into a really gorgeous silvery color. And I think that's the confidence that you're getting now when you go out in public, that you feel good about yourself. And I think that's what IF does too. It makes you feel good. And obviously losing weight makes you feel good. But when you're at that, what I call inner peace and you feel calm with yourself and you feel more confident, like I used to walk into a room, I'd be stooped. I'm a tall guy, six foot five. My wife talked about it in the first episode. I'd sit with my arms folded over my stomach because my stomach was big. Now I sit with my arms open, I, I strut into a room, I don't stoop into a room. All those things, and it's that self-confidence that we find in our own bodies and how we feel about ourselves and our self-esteem. And like you said, it's so much more than just about losing that weight. It's all those things that come with it. But being a school teacher, I want to ask you this. Obviously, the pandemic was super stressful for you guys, and thank you for all the work that our teachers did with our children around the world. I think that's amazing what you did from home and keeping our kids in that learning phase. But you must have found that a little bit easier too with that extra mental clarity and energy that you were getting from your fasting and your occupation. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I last this this year, January, so January 22, we did go back to online for a little bit. We're in Ontario uh, because we had had a, another wave of COVID and it definitely helped with the clarity. Definitely. And I wasn't snacking. Like I didn't feel like I needed to snack all day long. And I just, you just get so much more done. And at work now, like being in back in person, um, uh, that, yeah, that mental clarity, I, I don't forget to do things. I just like, I'm remembering to do all these little tasks that I have, you know, even if I don't write them down, I'm usually, usually pretty good to remember. I mean, I teach kindergarten, so I'm going to forget something some days because I've got 26 little friends who need a lot of attention, but uh, it's definitely helped me in my, in my job. To, to have that energy during the day to be there with the kids. Like I'm up and down off the floor all the time and we spend a lot of time outdoors. So um, that takes a lot of energy and the fasting has certainly, certainly helped. And, and I, I hate making my lunch. That's probably the bane of my existence is having to make a lunch for myself every day. So one of the great things about the, the fasting and one meal a day or eating just once, later on in the day is I don't have to pack a lunch. I can get my kids ready for school and I get their lunches ready to roll and out, out the door we go. And I don't even have to think about it anymore. Whereas that was a source of stress for me. Like, what am I going to make for lunch? And it's got to be keto or it's got to be paleo. I can't just slap a sandwich together and bring it. I want to bring healthy, great stuff. Uh, but that's going to take a lot of time. And, and so 
you know, some days I just wouldn't bring anything, but then I'd go out and get something to eat, fast food or whatever, and that wasn't serving me well. So now with the with the fasting and clean fasting through the day, it's so easy. It just makes life so easy. Yeah, and for the teachers around the world listening in, I mean, obviously schools, especially around meal breaks and that sort of thing, I guess can be tricky because teachers, as we know, are notorious for bringing, you know, the chocolates and the lollies or parents bring in gifts for the teachers and they share it all out. How did you handle the meal breaks as a teacher in school? So um, I, it kind of coincided nicely with uh, my, my teaching partner and I. We decided during kind of during the pandemic, we uh, we were going to just eat in our classroom or stay in our classroom at lunchtime because just to try not to be exposed to too many people outside of our classroom and or, you know, be exposed and then bring something back into the classroom. And so we've just kind of kept with that. And so that's been really nice because I don't feel that pressure. I don't go in the staff room during meal times necessarily um, and and have all that food sitting out. I mean, I still go in the staff room because I go there when I when I have my planning time. But and there's always food sitting out. But I just don't I don't have that um, like I see it, but I don't want it. I just I know I'm clean fasting. I know I'm fasting during the day. And so it really it, it hasn't been an issue for me. And, and I can sit with people if I do sit in there or happen to go in and have a chat with somebody and they're eating. That's, that's okay. I'm fine with that. It's just, I, I've had this mental shift in my, in my mind where it doesn't matter. Like if somebody's eating around me, that's okay. It, I, it doesn't affect me. I have my water or I have a coffee and it's not about the food for me anymore. Yeah. You know, I think it's about the company on myself when it comes to, Meal times and events now, you know, like I went to a Christmas work function a couple of days ago and I looked at the menu and I thought, there's nothing on here that's worthy to eat hardly. <laughs> you know, it's just, this mm-hmm. is my window because I'm going to do an earlier window today because I had two colleagues with me and it was our Christmas party. And, you know, and I thought there was one thing, an all day breakfast. And I thought, well, that's something I like. I like the breakfast foods. I often have what I call brinner, breakfast for dinner in the evenings, right? So I chose the all-day breakfast because I knew that there was foods on there that weren't going to make me feel bad. And they weren't going to make me feel, you know, gluggy and bloated and stuff when I left. And it's the first Christmas party at work that I've left and I wasn't bloated or full of alcohol. I can I can remember. And even my two colleagues said, oh, you know what? We're not actually going to drink either. We're just going to sit here and enjoy ourselves. And we did. We had a really good chat. It was good company. And I think a lot of the times people look at the food as the focus of events, especially this time of year. But I'm trying to focus more on the company and the people that I'm with and enjoying that more than thinking about the food. And I always say to people, if you do go to an event or a Christmas function or somebody, a relative's having a big Christmas party, well, hey, take something with you that you like, what you consider worthy, because at least you've got something decent to eat. Because if you get there and there's nothing, you're going to think, oh, man, what am I going to eat here? You know, (laughs) then your mind starts struggling. But if you prepare a lovely plate for yourself, on the guys that you're taking a plate along to put on the table, then you've got something to eat, haven't you? Yeah, exactly, exactly. Just and and advocate for yourself and ask for for what you would like. And uh, but I love that. I love that idea. Just bring bring a plate or a dish to share with everybody. But in reality, that's like you're going to have that because that's what you know is good for you. And um, yeah, and and like back to the staff room. Just the quality of food. I mean, it's great when parents bring in home-cooked food and things like that. Uh, but a lot of it's just, you know, stuff from the grocery store, pre-bought, things like that. Um, and it's it's lovely when other staff bring stuff in. But for me, it just, like I said, it doesn't serve me well. A lot of it's sugary stuff, donuts a lot of the time from, you know, the local coffee shop and whatever. And I just, I, I, I see some people that will eat throughout the day like so we have two new they call them nutrition breaks in ontario well in i shouldn't say in all of ontario but in our school board uh we do two nutrition breaks so kids are eating two times during the day so at about eleven thirty, and then again at about two o'clock and i just found like i felt like i was eating constantly so you know if i'd eat breakfast at home or i usually didn't but if i had my coffee with cream and then I'd go to school and first nutrition break, I'd eat something. And then second nutrition break, I'd eat something. And then I'd come home and then I'd have a snack and then I'd have dinner. Like you're eating four five, six times a day. And some of it might not be, you know, great choices because it's stuff that's in the staff room. It's 
you know, treats that people brought in. So you just, I, when I think back and, and now that I'm clean fasting and eating better and you think about the stuff that I was eating, um, it's no wonder I was struggling with weight and whatever else. And uh, I think, you know, it's good to take a look at that and to remember that that's where you don't want to go back to. I, yeah. I don't want to go back to that. I just want to ask you about those nutrition breaks in school. How does that work? Is that something designed, they're trying to get the kids to be healthy in those nutrition breaks? Is there any education around that? Or is it just stopping and eating whatever they got in their lunchbox their mum and dad's sent them to school with? Yeah, so it's it's basically like, you know, what the traditional lunch was, which was stop and eat your lunch. But we actually, so what you, what we do is you have 20 minutes to eat and 20 minutes to play outside. And that's twice a day. So you're recess. So you're 20 minutes to eat, 20 minutes of recess. Now in kindergarten, in my school in particular, we've kind of designed it a little bit differently. So our kids get their two 40-minute breaks. Um, they eat. And then we actually spend the middle part of the day outside. So we're outside for well over an hour, uh, which is, you know, developmentally appropriate and healthy for those kids to get outside, get that fresh air and and play and have, you know, have the opportunity to burn burn some of that energy off. But that sort of, I think that model was sort of brought in to just to make sure that kids were fueled throughout the day. Um, I don't necessarily agree that they need to do that but you know young young bodies are also growing so i do understand that they do need you know the calories and they need a little bit more than we as adults need we're already grown and we've already done our our growing into adults so we maybe don't need to be eating all that all the time um so maybe you know i don't know i don't know scientifically i'm not a, a medical doctor i don't know for sure but i do know that kids do need need those calories and uh need to need to get that energy so that they can grow so yeah, yeah i remember when, uh, I was, when i was a child at school we used to have to drink milk right they'd always have milk at school like you go to school every day you had to drink a pint of milk like a pint bottle so quite a large bottle of milk <laughs> and i was a child in new zealand at school then and every day we used to have to drink milk and then because they thought it was good for kids' bones and all that sort of thing, but then the government sort of phased that out over the years. But I remember the school canteens not being all that healthy either. And I think those formative years for kids as we grow up, you know, a lot of us start off pretty good. I mean, I wasn't really overweight till I was about 14, and then I discovered, you know, all sorts of foods, and my parents bought a convenience store, and, and I went from there. But, yeah, I think for a lot of kids, I think nutrition has definitely changed in schools for the better. I know when my girls were going to school, their canteen really cleaned up their act and they removed a lot of foods that they thought weren't that healthy for the kids. And I, I applaud that. You know, Jamie Oliver's doing all that sort of work in school, so that's great. But Heather, you strike me as a person that has such a great mindset around all this. And you mentioned you weren't worried about how fast the, the weight was coming off. You're happy with the lifestyle. I mean, combined with what you did before in the IF, you're sort of over 50 pounds now. And that's fantastic. And you sort of, you got any thoughts around maintenance and what you're going to do when you get there or how you're going to handle that? Yeah, I've, I've got a bit of a ways to go still before I think I'll be in maintenance. Uh, but like you, like, I think it's, it's just going to be an experiment. It's you're, you're an experiment of one, right? Or, or what's the saying? You're, you're just yeah trying to come up, you know what I mean? Come up with the best thing for you. So it'll be, it'll be what, whatever I think helps me um, maintain and not, not start gaining again. Like, like you said, like you didn't want to keep losing to the point where you were just, you know, a walking skeleton, basically, you don't want to get to that point. So I think it's just going to be experimenting when I get to that kind of that weight that I want to be at, you know, is it, is, is it going to be, 16.8 or 18.6 is that kind of going to be my my sweet spot I'm not too sure but I'm I'm, I'm excited to get to maintenance I know it's kind of a different uh, different way of different mindset a little bit uh, but it'll be interesting to see kind of what works for for my body like maybe I will just stick with you know the the two-hour window or the three-hour window and kind of having one meal but spreading it like maybe that's what will keep working for me uh, I'm not too sure. I'd really like to start doing some alternate day fasting just to continue to lose the weight and maybe jumpstart that a little bit more. 
again. Um, so that that's another tool that I want to want to try. I'm not sure. I know some people actually do that for maintenance as well, and they find that that works really well. So yeah, I think we're all an experiment of one, right? And hundred percent. We are an experimental one. You've got to find your own niche and what suits life and what suits you. And I just find that during the week, I mean, I work from home now. Um, our office closed down during COVID because they decided that everybody could do what they do in the office and they didn't have to pay the rent for the office. So the company wanted to save the money on the rent. So everybody, you work at home now. So so that's another challenge as well. And I think that's another mindset, working at home versus working in the office because I actually found fasting much easier working in the office than what it is at home. I mean, I still get through it. I don't struggle with it or anything, but it is a different mindset because you, you're here all the time. You're next to the fridge, you're next to your pantry, whatever it may be. And sometimes when you work from home, you, you're not as focused as what you are when you're in the office. Well, I, I am anyway. And, and I discussed that with my boss and I said, you know, and he said, that's okay. He said, as long as you get your work done, I don't, I don't care if you have like go and lay in a hammock for half an hour or an hour, you know, just get your work done. He said, that's all I want you to do. But he said, we're not going to have an office because we're wasting money. And we weren't going in the office anyway much, like two, three days a week. So anyway, but I found out another challenge. But yeah, I think mindset really plays a big part in this journey and maintenance in particular. um, I think it's a different mindset altogether. Once you get there and you'll know when you get there because your body gets to that set point where you just sort of settle around and wait and you think to yourself, oh, I need to get that five or 10 pounds off. People really beat themselves up about that. But I say to them, hey, you know, you, you might just be to the point where your body's saying that's enough. We're happy here. You know, let's just sit around here for a while and see what happens. And you'll find that natural sort of point. And I've been within the same weight now for over three and a half years. That's a hell of a plateau if you think about it like that. But I find that the freeing thing about intermittent fasting and the qualification that it works because I needed that qualification. And once it was, I went past one year, and I kept the weight off, I was so confident I was going to keep the weight off for the rest of my life by some form of intermittent fasting. I'm much more intuitive now. My windows aren't always the same every day. They might be shorter or longer because, you know, I'm coming into my fifth year. There's never been a day where I'll eat all day, but there are days where I'll have shorter windows and I adjust things, holidays, that type of thing. And it's really important for people coming into this Christmas break you know, give yourself some grace. Life is to be lived. Enjoy all the things that you normally do with your family and friends. Don't be afraid of the food. You know, just try and make some choices that are going to serve you well. Up your exercise through this period. If you're a person that enjoys walking, maybe do a little bit more. And just try and equalize things. And then when you come back after Christmas or whatever it may be, go right back to what you were doing before. But it's really important that we have to enjoy life moments, don't we, Heather? Absolutely. And I just I want to speak to to that point, your points, two things, the confidence, I'm so confident that this is a way of life for me, and that, you know, maintenance will come when it comes. But I will never not fast. I will never like you said, I'll never go back to eating throughout the day all the time, or having to eat six meals a day, or, or you know, three snacks and three meals or whatever it is that, you know, I am just so confident, like I've never done something for this long. I mean, aside from keto and eating in that style, but really I've never done something for this long over a year now, this consistently. And so I just, I know that this is 100% my lifestyle moving forward. And I think it's so going to be so great for my health and, um, and just everything. So, and, and the weight, the weight will come off. Like I'm, I'm playing the long game at this point. Uh, because it's a lifestyle and because it's it's going to be for life. So I'm not as concerned now about I've got to get this weight off. And then the second point going into Christmas, I started on November 1st. That's getting into that Christmas season. And I was able to get through it. And I felt great getting through it. And I felt really happy. And I felt like I could enjoy myself on Christmas Day and Boxing Day. You know, we have family get togethers. It starts actually Christmas Eve. And then we have something Christmas Day, and then we have something Boxing Day. In the past, that that could have that would be disastrous, right? That'd be three days of just constant eating. But last year, like I was just able to control it a bit more. I would fast until that big meal, or until that meal, or until that party that we went to, and then you know eat, and then fast again, 
and it just like it just happened so naturally and so so easily and i i want people going into christmas to know like you said it's okay like enjoy enjoy yourself enjoy life this is life and this is what it you know it can potentially be for the rest of your life if you're going to get into if and do it for your your whole life it's a wonderful wonderful thing and it's yeah. great to be able to go into those holidays any holidays thanksgiving whatever easter and not be stressed about about the eating and about you know fasting oh i brought a fast for so many hours because i ate that no like that's you've got to change that mindset yeah a lot of words of wisdom in that love it i really love it i mean you know, with your weight loss with IF, I mean, the average weight loss is about half a pound to a pound a week, right? So you're right on that. I mean, you know, as you mentioned, this is a lifestyle. So you've already said that you want to do it for life. And so it doesn't matter whether it takes you another two years to get where you want to be. I mean, it really doesn't. And I say that to people, you know, like you often hear people say, oh, I've only lost 10 pounds in two weeks. 10 pounds in two weeks. <laughs> Come on, you know. And um, as we know, it depends how much weight you've got to lose and all the rest of it. But if you're doing half a pound to a pound a week, well, you think about that over six months or 12 months, it's 25, 50 pounds. You know, two years, it's 100. So if you've got that much to lose. But, you know, don't be in any rush if it's going to be a lifestyle to you. And that's the difference between lifestyle versus diet. But you've, you've given us so many gems today, Heather. I really appreciate it. And I think everybody else out there will take a lot out of it. But if you're sitting around with a bunch of teachers or some friends in a cafe there and in Canada and you're talking about intermittent fasting, they go, hey, Heather, you look great. Can you give us some advice about just how to get going and how to get started? Yeah, for sure. Uh, number one is is the clean fast. And like you say, nail that clean fast. It, it's just, it's that's the magic pill. Like people... You don't have to, you don't have to take anything. You don't have to take supplements. You don't, you just have to clean fast. And yeah, I think it sounds hard to people, but when you try it, it is, it just makes all the difference in the world. Uh, it makes it so much easier. You're not tricking your body. You're not making your body think that food's coming. So you're, you're not going to have those highs and lows, those ups and downs. You might have a hunger pang here and there. Hunger is not an emergency have a, a drink of, you know, carbonated water or have just your regular water, stay hydrated um, and, and start slow if you need to. I know a lot of people, well, they want to start with a 36 hour fast or a 40 hour fast. Well, you know, if you've never done fasting before, you're not fat adapted or, or whatever, you're probably going to really struggle and you're really going to hate it. So start slow, start just by skipping breakfast or pushing breakfast back a couple hours, uh, you know, fast for 12 hours, eat within a 12 hour window, cut back on the stacking. Um, and then, you know, eventually kind of skip breakfast and just do lunch and dinner. And, and yeah, it, take it slow if you need to. And, and clean fast. I can't say it enough times, just clean fast. It makes it so much easier. It, it really does. And you can do it. You can do it. Anybody can do this. It's free. It's cheap because you don't have to pay for any special diets, you don't have to pay for any memberships to anything. Like membership in the fasting club is free. And and you can do this and anybody can do it. At any age, I mean not children. I know that there, you know, there's there's a few things. If you're pregnant, you're not gonna fast. If you're a child, you're not gonna fast. But if you're an adult and you are you're ready to to change your life, this this could be it. And I think this is it. And yeah. hopefully hopefully people are I think it's it's getting out there, which is great. Podcasts like yours get that message out there. I think it's wonderful that that people are trying to get it, get it to the mainstream. So important. Yeah, they are, and um, medical community is getting on board. And you might have read I'm doing some work with the University of Western Australia here and looking into using obesity as, uh, uh, sorry, intermittent fasting as an obesity control and trying to get some evidence together for the mainstream medical community to sort of push the envelope, if you like, with intermittent fasting. I know my own medical clinic now is talking to people about it um, since they've learned about it. And so, you know, there's people like Sarah Cull down there in New Zealand doing great work in the medical clinics, uh, reversing people's T2 diabetes, uh, putting them on intermittent fasting programs in a medical clinic environment, which I just think is amazing. We've heard stories. Tracy Dixon, Neil, went to the doctor. He said, you need to lose some weight try intermittent fasting, he wrote it down on the script, on a piece of paper, told her what it was, said, away you go, 
go and do it, come back in a year's time. And she did, and she had amazing success. So when you hear stories like that, it's really heartwarming. But Heather, as I said, it's been so inspiring having you on the podcast, and I really appreciate your time today. But thank you for joining me here on the Fasting Highway. Thank you so much, Graham. It's been a pleasure. Absolutely. Thank you. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. Oh, thank you so much, Heather. What a wonderful summation of your journey so far. I look forward to catching up with you in another 6 or 12 months to see where you are. And thank you for sharing your very inspiring story with us here today on the Fasting Highway. Okay, folks, uh, as mentioned in the podcast there, uh, you can catch us on the Fasting Highway Facebook group. Uh, We've got over 8,000 people there now from all over the world. So there's always somebody there at all times of the day to give you some advice and you can ask a question and help to get started on your own intermittent fasting journey. Uh, if you want to read a relatable personal story, you might find that in my book, The Fasting Highway, uh, which you'll find on Amazon in your local store. Uh, if you are in Australia or New Zealand, you can get it direct from me at www.thefastinghighway.com. Okay, folks, until next week, be well, be safe, and remember, clean fasting is everlasting.